All right, we are back with another episode of the Walk On Red Shirts, except this week we have football to talk about, and William is back to talk about some football with us. And William, doesn't it feel great that, you know, we only had seven games last weekend, but like, it's it was back. It was back on TV. Last week was Christmas Eve. It was an appetizer. This week is Christmas Day. Santa Claus, by means of college game day, is coming down your chimney onto your TV, and I cannot wait. I'm not going anywhere on Saturday. I don't care what anyone says. I'm not moving and couldn't be more excited. Heck, tomorrow. Well, as soon as I get home, I'm not moving anywhere. This is this is exciting. We have, what is it, five straight days with a college football game. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Awesome. Monday, we only have one game. It's your Clemson Tigers and Duke. Sunday, we got it, the premier matchup. Saturday, full slate. Tomorrow night, you know, there's games to be watched every single day. And there's great games. It's not there's, no, there there's ranked matchups. There's there's some action going on. There's some there's some G, some good G five matchups. I'm, I'm ready to rock and roll. This I, I I can't wait. I'm breaking the smoker out on Saturday. I'm gonna make myself some burnt ends for this weekend. You know we're going all out for week one. I gotta see how the Ohio boys do it. You know South Carolina. We take barbecue a little seriously. So I need some picks. I need some picks. Oh, on what you do. oh, it's gonna end up on the internet. And I'm gonna either gonna get roasted or praised. I cannot wait. Don't do Lincoln Riley. Don't do Lincoln Riley. And I hate to tell you, but the internet's going to roast you no matter how great it looks. Hey, I'm not <laughs> making brisket. Burn ends. I'm just going to douse it in barbecue sauce. And you're never even going to be able to tell how great Perfect. they look. Perfect. We had week one. Uh, l- l- let's jump in and let's talk about some of these games. So USC, San Jose State, Notre Dame, Navy were the two premier games last weekend. I want to talk about the Heisman Trophy winner and Caleb Williams from last weekend. When I was watching this game, San Jose State was making this a game early because USC somehow still doesn't have a defense. And they even go and get Bear Alexander from the transfer portal, you know, big, hefty guy. But everything I'm hearing is they're lean and mean. So, you know, yes, you can get away with that against San Jose State. But when you're playing against Oregon, Washington, Utah, you know, when Utah's healthy, Notre Dame, Notre Dame, are they built to play against Notre Dame? I mean, those those are yin and yang, finesse versus power. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see what that defense does. And, Man, it, it, it's, it's, I'm starting to think that uh, Alex Grinch has some has some blackmail on Lincoln Riley. Like, how is he still around? And maybe he's not the problem, but it's, he's he's the common denominator. So I've been putting that out on Twitter, and I'm glad people are finally starting to notice because I went and did an analysis of Alex Grinch since 2017 the other day. Since 2017, he has an average of the 46th best rush defense, not terrible, not great, but you could you could be sufficient. 88th best pass defense. This man has had a higher than 83rd once, and it was his last year at Washington State in 2017. Since oh, then, God. he's gone 86, 129, 83, 111, 112. That's how do you continue to let this guy? His scoring defense averaged 65th. His total defense averaged 68th. Like, what What do you see in him that you're keeping him around to be your defensive coordinator? I don't know. And, and watching the San Jose State game, they had San Jose State third and long. I think it was third and 22. And he dials up a, a blitz. And it's like, man, you you just you can play the most basic defense in the world and just let Drop the everybody back. And, of course, uh, uh, San, Jose State, San Jose State's quarterback, Runs for thirty plus yards, gets the first down. It's like, man, why are you, why are you doing these extra? You know, you don't need to be sexy. Just play defense. Get the ball back to your Heisman winning quarterback and let them take over. I mean, I was just, ah, 
that was mind-boggling. It took USC a while to put this game away. I mean, you're looking late in the third quarter, and Zachariah Branch scores with about a minute and a half left to make it 42-21. But, I mean, just 30 seconds prior, San Jose State scored to make it 35-21. Now, nobody in their mind actually thought that San Jose State was going to make a comeback and win, but you're seeing the defense doesn't have the improvements that people thought it was going to be. Caleb Williams is still insane. Everybody saw the pat, the one where he, you know, the fumbled snap or whatnot, yeah. hit the ground, picks it up off of one bounce and just hucks it 70 yeah. yards in the air and hits a guy on a dime for a touchdown. His He's the Heisman Trophy right winner. He was Heisman Trophy winner for a reason. He still has all the talent in the world. You know, Zachariah Branch is going to be a phenomenal freshman wide receiver. That dude balled out in his first game. Yeah, he ended up with only four catches, fifty-eight yards, and a touchdown. But I think he also return game. He, yeah. he had a return touchdown. He had a return touchdown for ninety-six yards, and he was also the USC's punt returner and averaged twenty-two yards on punt returns as well. And nobody returns punts anymore. And let's let's keep this and you know put this in perspective. Uh, at at Clemson, Jake, our our goal is to get six yards per punt, six yards of return. So you're just hoping to fall forward, basically. Right. Yeah. So like, you know, nine times out of 10, you're not going to get that many yards. 22 is absurd. And it's not like it all came on one. He got 35 on one. But that means that the other two were a total of what? 31 yards. So he still was moving forward. The other two. It's not like he just broke one for 60 yards and the other two were a total of six. Right. The, The kid's a playmaker. You know, I'm excited to see what he does. The question I still have and we just talked about. Can USC play some defense this year? I say no. They better be good at causing turnovers, and Caleb Williams better get ready to start painting some more on his on his fingernails because he's got a lot of work to do. Maybe you should say "f the defense" instead of "f the team we're playing." <laughs> <laughs> you know, he might win the Heisman again just because he has to win the Heisman in order for them to win their own conference. Not even to make the playoff, just to win the conference, he might need to win the Heisman. Right? Yeah, and it could be a Cam Newton situation. You know where has to put the entire team on his back. I mean, Cam Newton took a team of nobodies and won the national championship. I don't know if, I mean, I think Caleb Williams certainly has the talent to do so, and he's got a lot more talent on offense surrounding him than, than Cam did back in the day. Not comparing Caleb Williams to Cam Newton by any means. They're two totally different uh, quarterbacks, but it's going to be a similar type type uh, season that he's going to have to have in order for them to compete and make the college football playoff. Yeah, I, I like that comparison to seasons just with more talent because USC does have talent. They have Marshawn Lloyd, they have Dorian Singer, they have Zachariah Branch. You know, you can run down the stats from Saturday night and you can see four or five stars everywhere, guys that are going to be NFL players. But when Chevin Cordero is tearing up your team and they're just running wild on you, like perspective, they still only allowed 400 total yards, but it's it just wasn't a good night for the defense because there were key moments where they just broke down. Yeah, and you can't do that in, in the middle of your conference game, uh, game uh, season. That's not going to work. They also took eight penalties. San Jose State only took three, but their eight penalties were 57 yards, and a couple of them were pretty costly. You know, yeah. they had a couple times where they were – they were giving free yards to San Jose State when San Jose State didn't need to move the ball forward already. You know, changing it from second and long to second and short changes the game plan completely at that point. 
Yeah, and fun fact, I wasn't able to watch this game live at all. Uh, Nobody could, network other than because Network. Yeah, I had to pay seven dollars uh, to watch the game. Yeah, ridic- I was talking to my wife about this. Uh, Jake, you might remember this. You know, back in the day when I was growing up, South Carolina and Clemson games weren't always on television. Sometimes we had to buy them on pay per view. Oh and yeah, I feel like Pac-12 Network has gone back to that model. It's like, all right, let's get the let's get the local television out. Let's do some pay per view where you're just watching the crowd in the middle of the instead of commercials, and you know. I believe it was called ESPN Game Plan. How you had to watch some of these games. Yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So, enough about USC. You know, they, there was a lot that happened. You know, I'll be interested to see what happens when they start playing teams with similar skill levels on the offense and defensive line. I think that's going to be a really big key for them. I think USC's offensive line will be fine. Their defensive line showed some improvements, but, you know, I'm just curious if they're going to be able to get the pressure they need to so that they can actually let the secondary drop back. Or if it's going to be another Alex Grinch horrible passing defense, and they're going to finish worse than 100th again. I got the ladder. Yeah, I probably would too. So the other big game over the weekend happened in Ireland because, you know, college football is huge in Ireland, and we sent our U.S. Navy over there to play Notre Dame. Sam Hartman lit it up. Yes, it did. Now, oh boy. I don't think Navy is going to be very good, but – for Notre Dame, it's important to come out of the gate and win strong like they did. Yeah, yeah I mean, Sam Hartman goes 19 of 23, 251, four touchdowns, you know, it, four incompletions and four touchdowns. That's usually a pretty good day for you. Absolutely. And I'm not going to knock Sam Hartman on who they played. I mean, Notre Dame could, I mean, that, that's a tough game to get up for. It's the first game of the season. You're playing Navy and you're playing after taking an international flight. So you're, and you're on a whole different time zone. You're six hours ahead. So, the fact that they came out there, they looked clean. <clears throat> they looked really clean. I mean, Audric Estime, besides his fumble, played almost flawless. Uh, oh, yeah. Sam Hartman looked phenomenal. I mean, he was dicing up, again, a, a weaker Navy defense, but still, he was dicing them up. And, and I liked Jaden Greathouse coming out of coming out of high school. He was Cade Klubnick's teammate over at Westlake in Texas, and I was really hoping he would decide to come to Clemson. I'm not sure if he even had him on their radar he looked great. I think he had two touchdowns in that game, and uh, mm-hmm. he might be the he might be the spark that they need on offense in the receiving room at least to get that that room going. But man, with that running with that running game and their defense looked great. I mean, it's tough to play the triple option, and it's very true. You you have to play fundamentally sound football. You have to hit your gap. There's if you if you overextend your gap you're going to get exposed and they might and it looked like Notre Dame was doing that a little bit in the first first quarter second quarter a little bit and then they kind of settled in played great gap scheme gap got friendly football and just dominated uh Navy which by the way Navy looked like they hadn't even played backyard football ever with with some of those pass routes they had and some of those passing uh, uh some of those passes the quarterback threw I mean that lollipop pass that two guys were wide open could have caught and they just smacked into each other just looked like a clown show they they went three of seven passing, and two of them were very crucial pass plays. You know, the first one came uh, early in the first quarter. You know, they had a fourth down play, and they had both receivers wide open, and they defended themselves. Right. You know, they went against each other, but that's just the epitome of Navy football. They're not used to playing that style. So when the ball is in the air, they're not used to understanding whose ball that is. So nothing against Notre Dame because they still would have won the game no matter if that ball is caught or not. 
Right. I just thought it was hilarious that Navy, the one time they threw the ball, they defended themselves. <laughs> and that's the best defense they played all day. Yeah. Yeah. They sure, <laughs> they sure didn't stop anybody on Notre Dame. I agree with you on Jaden Gatehouse. That, you know, I before the season, I was very skeptical of who was going to be a receiver for them. Now, Gatehouse is a true freshman. I believe he's a true freshman, either yep. a true freshman or a sophomore. But he's still going to have room to grow. Uh, I'm sure there's still going to be growing pains that are going to come, but it, seeing that kind of explosiveness in the, your very first game you know, on that kind of stage is really good for Notre Dame to see, and it gives them a bright spot to look forward to and a potential top receiver. Jane Thomas played pretty well. I think it's interesting. I didn't realize Chris Tyree, their running back, converted to be a wide receiver. Yeah, didn't have slot. any. Yeah. <laughs> so I think he's going to be a very vital part of the receiving core, even if he hasn't been a receiver. He's been in the offense. He understands the scheme now in year two. You know, making that transition to slot, you know, isn't going to be the easiest, but it sounds like he's really committed to it. You know, he had three catches for 36 yards. Uh, I think that he is going to be a vital piece of this offense moving forward. Right. And Notre Dame's offense looked great as usual. Tight ends look great. Uh, and, and I was really impressed with, with Sam Hartman, you know, going through his progressions. I mean, you know, back from, mm-hmm. the, from the type of offense they ran at Wake Forest, you know, it's very unconventional with the, with the slow read option, RPO. This is a pro-style offense, which it seems is the reason he transferred. I mean, everyone was scratching their head when he transfers, like, why, you've broken every single Wake Forest record. Like, what are you doing? He wants to get his draft stock up, make some money, and what better way to do that than go play in a pro-style offense with some better athletes around you than, you know, than go to Notre Dame. And I thought he looked I thought he looked the part. I mean, this is his sixth year in college football. He should be able to read a defense. He should be able to make the passes. But he looked accurate, and he looked crisp, and he, the moment was never too big for him. Again, they're no. playing baby, but Notre Dame's going to make some noise this year if, if he plays this way all year long. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it, it's going to be interesting because this week they play and Tennessee State. They're going to breeze through Tennessee State. Not even worth watching that game. There's going to be better games on 330 anyways. But then next week they travel to NC State. That's when we're going to really learn about them. You know, Going on the road to NC State, you're playing another Power 5 team. NC State is consistently a bowl team. They're probably going to be another eight-win team this year. How does Sam Hartman and how does Notre Dame fare when they go on the road to play a team like that? NC State's also, you know, got a lot of new pieces on their team. So I think that's when you're really going to be able to get engaged, no matter how good NC State is or not. If they're able to go and blow them out, even if NC State's an average team, you're going to be more impressed with Notre Dame. And then that sets up for that week four matchup when they host Ohio State. Yeah, I think we're really going to get a gauge for what they look like in, uh, in NC State. And to go back to what you're saying, with we'll find out what the you know what they look like, you know, in the trenches. NC State, I, and I've said it before on, on on past podcasts. NC State always plays well in the trenches. They have a, they have a stretch zone scheme that they run really well on the offensive line, and their defensive line always plays really well with their hands. They're very well coached, very fundamentally sound. Um, they they give you fits and they're not going to just push over. You're not going to be able to run the ball all over them very easily. Now you can break them down if you're, if you're doing well, but yeah, it's going to be, it's, we're, it's going to be interesting to see what Notre Dame can do against a, a team built like NC state. Yes. Yes. So like I said, no reason to watch them this weekend, Tennessee state FCS team. First time I actually found out they're ever playing an FCS team. One fun fact for today. Yeah, that, that was shocking. I'd never thought about that. And, and Notre Dame fans are livid. Notre Dame Twitter was not happy with that. You sometimes you just got to get with what you can take because with the new age of college football, you know, you got to play who you can play sometimes, especially when they have 
in theory, six non-conference games. Since they get six ACC games, they have to fill six other spots. You just got to take what you can get sometimes. And if somebody doesn't want to play you at that point, you're going to have to find somebody who will. Yeah, don't give them a knot. They got enough tough cows on the schedule. Yeah, that's one of the biggest biggest things that people like to knock them for is, well, they don't play in a conference. Well, they tend to usually play 10 Power 5 teams, you know, 9 to 10 at least. They're playing USC. Stanford's obviously not as good. They're playing six ACC teams. They're playing Ohio State. You know, they, they've got good teams on their roster or on their schedule. It's not just like they're playing, you know, Army and Navy and Air Force three consecutive weeks. Right. Shout out the troops. We love the troops. Shout out the troops. Shout out the troops. Even if your football teams aren't the best. <laughs> so I want to move into a couple of notable news pieces. It was announced this past week Harbaugh will be Jim Harbaugh, Michigan, will be suspended for three games. Offensive coordinator Sherrod Moore will be suspended for one game. This all goes back to their recruiting allegations. You know, he was going to be suspended four games, and then he wasn't. And now he's agreed on a three-game suspension. And I'm not even going to go into who the head coach is for their three games because it's different for every half almost. Yeah, they've one got guy, different head coaches that are going to – They've got four. Game. One game they split it in half. <laughs> Just, and, I understand you want to give guys experience to do it, but, like, I'm not going to read them off because it's too confusing for me already. So there's different guys. They're going to win all three games. They're playing nobodies. Yeah. It's not going to be that big of an impact. Uh, I think Sherrod Moore, Sherrod Moore getting suspended for one game, I think it's interesting. just shows that there was more people involved. Uh, Michigan, coaches been weird amount of trouble lately. Uh, their offensive coordinator back in January was fired for the computer thing, logging into wrong computers, doing something with computer crimes. Don't really remember the whole story, but you know he was fired for that. <laughs> Come on, Michigan, get it together. Yeah, I don't really know what they're doing, but you know, heading into a big season, not really the way you want to start your season with uh, a little bit of controversy. Yeah, you need some consistency, and you need some guys that uh, you don't need headlines. Yeah, you'd much rather be flying under the radar than you know being the headliner. Ah, well, three games, he gets to sit back in his khaki pants, drink a nice ice cold glass of milk, and watch these ball games. He's Jim Harbaugh will be okay. Do you think J.J. McCarthy is scared of chickens like, uh, what was it, Wilton Spate? Do you remember that? Wilton Spate. When, <laughs> when he it said you can't a, eat chickens because they're scared birds or something like that? Yeah, it might be a uh, you know, it might be a precursor to being a Michigan quarterback. That might be the first question that Harbaugh asks. Are you, do you eat chicken because they're scared birds? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The other notable thing, uh, so we're recording this on Wednesday, August 30th. Yesterday, it was announced that Eric Gilbert was arrested for a robbery into a basically like a smoke shop to get vape supplies. It was like $1,600. Really sad to see for him. You know, he started his career at LSU. Was I think he transferred to Florida for like half a second, then ended up at Georgia, then went to Nebraska. It just really has never been able to put it together. You know, there's definitely some things going on behind the scenes, but really sad for, especially a guy with that much talent, just, you know, seems like it was his last shot. And just there's something going on there because you don't just break in at two o'clock in the morning uh, to steal some vape supplies. Right. Yeah. Well, Jake, they don't play college players, so they got to get money somehow. Oh, oh, oh wait, yeah. never mind. No, there's now they do. He can, and he's in one of the bigger, biggest booster locations in college football. So, uh, no excuse for that. Nah. And shout out to the First and Gold podcast. Their joke of saying he was uh, five stars on Grand Theft Auto, not five star athlete. Oh, that one made me chuckle a little bit. Um, I mean, I thought I saw that tweet, but I don't think I fully read it. And 
he was just trying to trying to get his star rating up. I want to see if he could evade the police. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, left down, left down, upright, upright, whatever that is for invincibility, and see how long you can run away from the cops and the helicopters. But in in all seriousness, like a guy with that much talent, it, it is really sad to see them make these choices. Um, at the end of the day, that there are they are his choices, and just because he's an athlete doesn't mean he should get you know different treatment. You know, should be over magnified or under magnified. But at the end of the day, this is a human being who's making terrible decisions and for an unknown reason and i'm hope i hope he's able to get the help he, he needs and and can turn his life around and, and maybe make an impact on the next guy who's going down a similar path in him and you know have him take the other the other road and the and the fork in the road so um there it's just sad when you see such a promising young career and it's just pissed away from dumb decisions multiple chances multiple chances multiple second chances just couldn't get it just couldn't get it yeah it's sad because as much as you want to continue to give you know especially a kid he's, he's like 21 years old you know more chances sometimes you just gotta let them learn on their own you know if you continue to feed into the bad behavior you're just gonna continue to see bad results well enough of that let's jump into week one i picked out four games that i want us to talk about four of the bigger games for us to talk about and the first one we got sunday night 7 30 on abc the big one this weekend number five lsu against number eight florida state this is a rematch of last year it was the missed extra point that resulted in florida state's victory this game is being played in orlando i still hate that it's a neutral site game in orlando at the bounce house played this stupid game in tallahassee let's call it a day but you know that's another rant i'm not going to get into it i did that last episode it is what it is <laughs> Let's start talking about this game. What do you think is the biggest key in this game for either team? It's going to be the quarterbacks. Can they run? Because, I mean, if, like we talked about last week, LSU's uh, defensive backs, I, I'm not sold on quite yet. So I, I think the ball's going to be able to be thrown pretty well between both both squads. I mean, Florida State's defense is very iffy. Uh, even DJU was able to throw over 200 yards on them last year. Uh, so th- they struggle in the passing game pretty consistently. But, you know, you got a guy like Jared Verse that really puts pressure on the quarterback. But these both these guys can run. Jane Daniels more so than, than Jordan Travis. So I, I really think it comes down to who makes the least amount of mistakes and who's able to convert a lot of those third downs, third and shorts, third and mediums with their legs. And I think Jaden Daniels is able to get that done better than Jordan Travis. Yeah, the, one of the things for this game is the amount of weapons that Florida State now has. You know, they bring back Johnny Wilson. Um, you know, they still have Trey Benson, but they also bring in Keon Coleman from Michigan State. You know, just to add that, they also add Jaheim Bell from South Carolina. You know, they've got a lot of guys that can make the play when the ball is in their hand. And not to mention, you've got a guy like Jordan Travis who rushed for over 400 yards last year. May not be as dynamic as a runner as Jaden Daniels, but he is a guy that can make plays with his legs. You know, for them to have these kind of playmakers, I really think this is going to be more of a high-scoring game than people expect. You know, maybe not a game in the 40s, but I could see this being a 35-30 to 30 game, you know, yeah. back-and-forth game, much more offense than last year. Last year's game only had about 45 points. I could see there being 10 to 15 more points, two more touchdowns in this game easily because you have quarterbacks with more experience. You've got more talent. One of the keys, I think, for this game is – the players that won't be playing for LSU. You know, Mason Smith is suspended, but he also apparently might still be injured, so he wouldn't be able to play anyways. 
LSU also announced that John Emery won't be announced. Running back John Emery won't be announced or available for this game. Not that he is going to be a true difference maker, but it's just another player that's not available in this game. So who does Jaden Daniels rely on? Who is going to be that guy? Because last year, Kayshawn Booty was one of the top receivers. They don't have him this year. I want to see who Jaden Daniels relies on because we know what he can do with his legs. Right, exactly. And, and, And yeah, I don't, there's gonna be a lot of prove it guys out there out wide that I'm not aware of, and a lot. Of, I think majority of the country outside of Baton Rouge is is unaware of. So that's gonna be very interesting. So I've got this game 31 to 29. So I've got it pretty high scoring too. I'm very excited for that game, and I think LSU is gonna be pretty pissed off from last year. I mean, they had it. They had, I mean they at least had it going into overtime. They had all the mm-hmm. momentum and blocked extra point. I mean something that never happens. I mean it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be really really fun. Such a trivial part of the game that usually is just overlooked because you know the kickers make 99% of them, and it's the one that you need very seldomly is the one that makes the biggest impact. Hey, it's the famous words of the prophet uh, Lloyd Christmas. So you're saying there's a chance. And you know, if, even if it's one in a million, you're saying there's a chance. There was a chance, and Florida State took up that chance, and you know, it helped catapult them into the season that they end up having. You know, both teams end up winning 10 games. The winner of this game is going to put themselves squarely in the college football playoff you know, uh, realm. Like they're going to be a front runner to make college football playoff because now they have a signature win. They're going to be able to afford another loss and be able to come back from that because they have the signature win on their resume. Right. Yeah. And, and another thing that you can't overlook is both these teams are going to leave this game battle tested. I mean, this is a top 10 matchup in which these teams, you know, are going to leave with, with, with an experience that most of the country is not having. I mean, most of the country is not playing another ranked opponent. So this is, this is huge. I mean, and, and especially if it's a close game, like we're expecting it to be, that, that experience is invaluable. You know, what do you do when the game's on the line? You know, when you got to make a play here, when you got to make a play there. I mean, a lot of the times these, these games come down to three or four plays. And it's a game of inches, and this this will be one that where the the margin of error is very very small. It's going to be exciting. One turnover, one stop on a third down, that kind of stuff is going to make the absolute difference in this game. Absolutely. Especially especially as you get later in the game, who is going to be the one that's clutch? Who is going to convert those key third downs? So another big game Saturday night, seven thirty ABC. Team located in your state, South Carolina, will travel up north to Charlotte to play North Carolina. Drake May, Spencer Rattler, you got some big names at quarterback here. A lot of unproven elsewhere on both sides of the ball. North Carolina is still waiting to hear if Tez Walker is going to be eligible, which they were told three weeks ago about the appeal. We're 48 hours from the game, or a little over 48 hours from the game, but I know they're, they're going to be traveling here soon. They don't even know if they travel, if he's going to be able to play. Let, let me... Let me say something really quick, Jake. Like this, this is what where my biggest issues come up with the NCAA. You know, it's one thing to say no and deny it. They're ghosting him. They're not even responding. They're not even saying anything. They have ghosted him over what? And it, it's it, this is ridiculous. I mean, the NCAA is so quick. I mean, with Jim Harbaugh, he bought a kid a burger during COVID. Big whoop. Yes, he lied about it. That's not okay. Big whoop. And you are all over that. And you're getting responses every day. This kid's appealed to play because his coach left and he wants to come play in North Carolina. Tell him no. 
or tell them yes, give an answer. I, I, at this point, like I would rather hear them say no than not hear anything. It, it's ridiculous. And to explain to listeners the situation, so Tez Walker uh, first played for an HBCU in North Carolina, I believe, during COVID. So COVID knocked out their season, so he transferred up north to Ohio to play for Kent State. So that was his one transfer. Now his coach left to become the offensive coordinator at Colorado. So transfers home to play for North Carolina. Pretty good player, had over 900 yards for Kent State last year. Transfers home because North Carolina wants him to play. And now you're saying that he can't? You're not even giving him an answer. Not even saying that. You you denied it first, and then you said, oh, well, let's double-check this. But then you're not saying anything. You know, North Carolina has a game in three days. By the time people listen to it, in two days, they're going to be warming up for it. They're going to be getting up for their game. You got to let the kid know. You got to let the kid know. He's from that area. I was reading today. He's planning on all his friends and family going to Charlotte for the game. You know how disappointing that is? You're going to go into potentially Saturday, and he's going to be like, yeah. NCAA left me on red. Yeah, well, they got 72 hours, 48 hours. Let's get it right instead of like, come on, please. So into the actual game, Drake May, Spencer Rattler, you know, this is obviously a quarterback-driven battle, but other than the quarterbacks, what do you think the biggest key for this game is? Defense. Lord have mercy to these teams play awful defense. Now, I think South Carolina has a slight edge on defense, but not by much. North Carolina was ranked in the bottom 100 of every single defensive category last year. And South Carolina wasn't close behind them. I mean, they're in the 40s and the 80s. I mean, they're, they're pretty middle-of-the-road defense, but they lost a lot of their guys. They're only returning three guys on defense. So an already pretty bad defense, not returning anybody. You know, we'll see what happens to South Carolina. But I think I think that's, that's going to be the biggest matchup is both these quarterbacks are good. I mean, Drake May is a lot more consistent than Spencer Rattler is. Uh, I mean – he was a Heisman finalist. He was phenomenal. He's got a lot of talent. Spencer Rattler has a lot of talent, too. And towards the end of the season, he really turned it around. If he can keep that going, I think this game comes down to whoever has the ball last or whoever doesn't make a mistake. I mean, I think it's going to be a shootout. I think this is going to be one of the more exciting games of the of, 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 the, of the weekend. Yeah, the over-under for this game is set at 64-and-a-half. You know, you're looking at both teams scoring close to 40 points. You're going to see a lot of points in this game. You know, we're not really sure who the playmakers are, but we know who the wider we know who the quarterbacks are. We don't really know who's going to be the top wide receivers. We don't really know who's going to be the top running backs. South Carolina lost Marshawn Lloyd. They lost Jaheim Bell. You know, North Carolina lost a couple guys to the NFL and Tez Walker. We don't know what's going to happen. So I'm excited to see who stands out in this game. Drake May, if he is going to be a potential Heisman finalist, if he's going to be a first-round pick, you got to do it against South Carolina. Nobody really cares if you do it against the Georgia Techs, if the Virginias of the world. Let's see what you do when the lights are on. The bright lights are on. You're playing South Carolina. It's a rivalry game. It's opening week of the year. A lot of eyes are going to be on this game. What do you do? How do you stand out? North Carolina is favored by two and a half points. It's going to be a great game. This is going to be one where Saturday night, turn your TV on. Actually, you probably get a second TV because there's going to be a lot of great games on Saturday night. Yeah, bet the over. Yes. Bet the over. This bet is the, the over is more fun anyways. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I'm ex- I'm really excited for this game. Really excited for this game. I think we're going to this find is- out a lot about both of these teams in this game too. Yes. It's going to be really yes, good yards to take for their seasons. You know, Shane Beamer is the trendy coach. People love him. You know, he's young, he's hip, he, you know, does all the social media, you know, he's on TikTok. 
does all the trendy you know TikTok videos with his players. That doesn't matter if you can't win your games. This That's is a right. big game. This That's is a right. real big game for South Carolina. Is he proving that they're going to get over the hump, or are they going to be another seven eight win team? He wins this game. You know they could potentially be looking at a nine ten win season because of what their schedule is. The SEC East is not as good. You know, granted they do still have Georgia on the schedule. You're still going to have Tennessee on the schedule, but other than that, a lot of these games are winnable. You, know, you still have Clemson, but if you just look at Tennessee, Georgia, and Clemson as your three big games, you never know. Nine wins is fully within the realm. Ten wins, maybe you want to knock off a Tennessee. Maybe you knock off a Clemson again. Ah, da, da, da. That's like a carried away, Jake. Like a carried away. <laughs> the next big game tomorrow night. Well, I guess it'd be tonight when people listen to this. If you're listening to this on Thursday morning, it's going to be tonight. Florida, Utah. Sounds like Cam Rising is not going to play. They're All saying right. he's doubtful. It also sounds like their starting tight end, whose name is escaping me right now, is also not going to play either. Uh, Dalton Kincaid's back up. Those are two very important. Yes, I forget what his name is, but I know he's also very good. I don't remember his name, and I'm going to look it up, so I'm going to delay. But Brand losing Booth. those two guys is huge because Utah does rely that one, that one. Utah relies on their tight end a lot. If you go back and look at the last five, ten years of their tight end usage, tight end is usually the top receiver for them. It's not a wide receiver. They usually rely heavily on the tight ends. Even with Dalton Kincaid there last year, Kuth uh, was one of the top receivers on the team. Yeah, yeah, it's the backup tight end. And, I mean, Cam Rising plays a big role in that offense. I mean, that dude's a, a freaking leader. He's a stud. I mean, one of my favorite plays is the USC-Utah uh, uh, game, the, the Pac-12 championship where he just gets rocked, comes in the next you know, next play and just, you know, as if nothing happens and just keeps dropping points on, on USC. Utah's a very gritty team. And – with Florida, you know, Florida's got some got some guys missing too, and one of the biggest holes that they're going to have is their starting center is going to be out. And it's, it's bad to miss out on anybody, but the center and the quarterback, I mean, you have to have – you got to have a guy that's pretty good at snapping the ball, and you have to have a good rapport with that quarterback. So that could be a, a, a huge hole in that Florida offensive line. So anyway, we're going to see. We're going to see. I, I'm, I'm hoping Utah, Utah's backup quarterback is able to make this game, for, you know, Interesting. Uh, I'm just worried with without. Bryson Barnes is look like he's going to get the start. He only threw 57 passes last year, 430 yards, threw four touchdowns, and but had two interceptions. He came in for Cam Rising in the Rose Bowl. He got a decent amount of snaps in there. Uh, Utah obviously lost Penn State in the Rose Bowl, so but he did get some big time experience. So it'll be very interesting to see how he does when the lights come on when they're playing Florida. Uh, you know, for Utah. They're going to have to find a way to move the ball. Going to have to find a way to move the ball. Cam Rising did a lot with his legs. You know, he was the fourth leading rusher last year. He scored a bunch of touchdowns with his legs. You know, how mobile is Bryson Barnes? You know, how does he compare to Cam Rising's running ability? Cam Rising, you know, had a little bit of elusiveness. Wasn't just a statue back there. You know, definitely made some noise when he started to roll out and get out of the pocket. Florida is going to understand that they've got a young quarterback back there. So don't be surprised that they bring some creative blitzes in my mind. And you're going to try to confuse the quarterback. So what are they going to do? And you know, your point about the center is an incredibly underrated point. We've all watched games where a center is struggling to snap the ball to the quarterback. 
it just throws rhythm and throws timing off. It just flusters a quarterback. And Florida starting Graham Mertz, who a little more of a veteran. You know, he started a bunch of games at Wisconsin. Really, wheels fell off for him at Wisconsin. But, you know, maybe a new change of scenery will help him improve. But last thing you want is a game on the road is to have a center who is either snapping it too high, too low, and just flustering a quarterback. No, no, exactly. And Utah's defensive line is usually very, very good. I mean, you've got Van Fillinger, who's projected to be a pretty hot draft pick coming out this year. And, you know, you put some you put some pressure on that center, it's going to be tough. And uh, 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 the, the quarterback, Bryson uh, – uh, what's his last name? Barnes. Bryson Barnes was uh, classified as an athlete coming out of high school. So I'm assuming he, he can probably run. He's probably a pretty pretty uh, swift guy. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting game, and it's going to be a great game to kick off this this college football weekend. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be a great game for Thursday night. Reminder, that is at 8 p.m. Eastern time, ESPN. 100% game worth watching. This takes me to the last game I have one here. I don't want to classify this as one of the best games of the weekend. I just think it's one of the most notable because it is Colorado traveling to TCU. You've got Coach Prime going against the defending national runner-up. TCU obviously lost a ton with Max Duggan is gone. Quentin Johnston is gone. Uh, Kendra Miller is gone. Traveling Tomlinson Hodges. I figure out where, how it, what order his name goes in. It's one of them. He's related to LT. I know that. He's gone. There's there's a lot of guys that were big time players on this team last year. Garrett Riley back. Oh yeah, offensive coordinator Garrett Riley is now with Clemson. There's a the full almost full rebuild on this team now. TC used the portal a lot, but they didn't use it nearly as much as Colorado did. <laughs> I th- I think this game is going to be one of the most polarizing games because people are going to watch because they hate Prime or they're going to watch because they love Prime, but they're going to watch and. People, I think people want to see how TCU bounces back from last year. I mean, Chandler Morris, I believe, is going to be the starting quarterback, and, and he's not bad. Uh, he actually started off the season last year as a starting quarterback and, and lost lost the job to Max Duggan due to an injury, so not even due to his gameplay. Um, so TCU has a lot of promise. I don't know how good they're going to be this year. I, I don't. I mean, I don't think they're competing for a national championship by any means, but they said that last year too, so you never know. Um but I think a lot of people are going to tune into this game just to see what Colorado is made of because a lot of people want to see Dion fail or succeed. But I think a lot of people want to see him fail. I don't really have an opinion either way on Dion, but I'm interested because nobody ever brings in 70 transfers. It's unprecedented. You turned over the whole roster. You, know, you brought in your son at quarterback. And his son was a highly rated recruiter. He was like a four-star quarterback coming out of high school. You've got Travis Hunter playing both ways. They've got a lot of talented players at the skill positions, but they don't have it on the offensive defensive line. I think that's going to be the biggest key is what does Colorado's offensive and defensive line look like? Are they able to get pressure on Chandler Morris? And are they able to protect, protect Sanders, you know, when he's got the ball, when they're trying to, you know, complete passes, are they able to open running lanes for their running backs? What does that look like for their offensive line? Because, they didn't go out and get any like former four or five stars. A lot of them were like starters at group of five schools or they were backups at, you know, like in Arkansas, they weren't studs at their program and decided to just up and leave because you know, they wanted to play for coach prime. They left for various reasons. Maybe they were good at group of five schools. Maybe they were, came from Jackson state. 
but they weren't coming from Alabama to play for Colorado because they were starting. Right. Uh, absolutely. And he's also bringing his other son, Shiloh Sanders. And, uh, and they got the kid that was supposed to commit to Miami and ended up playing or something like that. Yeah. So they, allegedly they're going to have some great, uh, great defensive backs, but we're, we're going to see, I think no one has a Cause we've never seen this done in college football ever. Uh, <clears throat> I think the last thing that could have been even remotely similar to this would be the Marshall situation in which their team, you know, died tragically in the, in the plane accident. And they had to revamp the entire roster, but that, that wasn't done through the transfer portal. So this is, uh, this is going to be very interesting to see. I think Colorado could be a glimpse of what college football looks like next, or it could be something that we never see again. The only thing in recent memory I can even remotely think it being close to was when Lincoln Riley went to USC and brings a ton of guys from Oklahoma and uses the portal to land some other guys like Jordan Addison. But the problem is he didn't land the Jordan Addison and Caleb Williams. You know, he landed Travis Hunter and Shadur Sanders. But then after that, it was just a bunch of other guys. Like maybe they were decent. You know, it wasn't like he brought in all of these, you know, first round picks, Heisman Trophy potential guys. Like he just, you know, brought in who he thought that it was going to be good. And we have to see how it all meshes. You know, one of the big things about football is relying on the guy next to you. I know the NFL turns over guys left and right, and I know that. They do all sorts of stuff every year with the NFL, but like, what does it look like in college when you have limitations? Like, the coaches aren't around, you know, for a lot of these things legally, at least. What, what does it look like when you are starting a first game? Like, and at least in the NFL, you get preseason games to warm up and try to work with each other. There's no preseason games. You're going on the road and playing TCU in the very first game. Right. Yeah. So, you better be ready. It's gonna it's gonna be interesting, and, and Coach Prime will have them ready to play. It, so it's, I don't think it's gonna be a I don't think it's gonna be a matter as if they're ready to play or not. I think it's gonna be do they have the horses like you're like you're alluding to earlier. So we're gonna find out pretty early on I'm Saturday look, too. I'm looking through all of these guys because there's a billion of them. There's a couple that stick out to me. There's Savelle Smalls from Washington, who was a former five star. Jimmy Horn, who's a wide receiver that came from U, U, uh, USF. Um, trying to see if there's any other main big guys that look like they're going to be huge for them. And I don't know anything about Bentley. That was another good one. Like, and I don't know some of these guys if they're going to be huge contributors or not. Like, oh, uh, Alton McCaskill, you know, he was a good running back at Houston last year. He should see a good amount of time. I thought there was another running back that they got, but maybe I'm wrong. I thought they got somebody else from like an uh, Alabama that played, but maybe I'm wrong. Then again, this list is so long that I can't even go through them all because there's <laughs> 70 guys. Yeah. That's covers our four games. Is there any other big games that you think that everybody should keep an eye on this weekend? No, I other mean, than Clemson, I, other than Clemson and Duke, we know how you feel about that one. Yeah, I was, I was going to try not to be biased. I'm not. Gonna, I was going to try not to be biased, but thank you for bringing that up. And I don't have to. Uh, I think I think that one's going to be fun. Oregon State and San Jose State. You know, see DJU and the new threads and the new orange. Um, see how he does. Uh, we're going to talk about Coastal Carolina and UCLA in a minute, and I have a lot to say about that game. So I'm very interested in that game. Um, but no, I think we've covered it. So we'll jump into our next segment here. So each week, we're going to pick about 10 games. We'll go predictions with the spreads. 
what we think are 10 of the biggest games of that weekend. Week one, there's actually a surprisingly decent amount of good games. So we'll jump into it. We'll each make our picks and we'll see how right or completely wrong that we are each week. And I have a feeling that we're probably going to whiff on more than we hit, but you never know. Maybe we are geniuses with what we talk about here. <laughs> Humbling. So the first one, the first one we got here is Boise State versus Washington. Boise State enters this game as a 14.5-point dog. This game is played in Seattle. Tell me, who do you like in this game why? If I was a betting man, I'm taking Washington plus 14.5. And, and I wouldn't blink minus twice. 14.5? Excuse me. Thank you. Minus 14.5, and, and I wouldn't blink twice. Michael Penix is, is a dark horse. Big Penix energy. Great, great quarterback. I love watching him play. I think they're going to run away with this game. I know Boise State puts a good team out there, but, you know, they're Mountain West. I see Washington taking this one. Yeah, I'm with you on there. Washington's offense is just going to be too good. I know Boise State, it looks like they're going to have one of their best teams in the last five, six, seven years. Washington might have their best team in the last 15 or 20 years right now. Right. Uh, They made the playoffs one time under Chris Peterson, but, man, does that offense look really, really good. You know, I'm I'm sold. I'm on the Michael Penix bandwagon. You know, Roma Doozy and Jalen McMillan are two really good wide receivers. Yeah. You know, if it wasn't for Ohio State, you could make an argument that they were the best wide receiver core in the country. Yeah, and, and I'm a Penix rider myself. I look, I'm I'm riding that Penix. You're just gonna play with all the puns. <laughs> <laughs> so, second game we got here. We got Toledo versus Illinois. This might not sound like a great game to some people, but let me tell you, Toledo is going to probably win the MAC this year. Daquan Finn is a dog at or at quarterback. That dude can play. I don't know if he'll play on Sundays, but don't be surprised with what Daquan Finn does on Saturday. This is a really good game. I'll take this pick first. I like Toledo to cover. They're not going to win this game, but I like to cover nine and a half points. I think nine and a half is too many. Illinois is replacing a lot. Chase Brown is gone. They have a new quarterback. I like what Toledo has this year, and I think I'm going to take him to cover. That's a lot of points. That's a lot of points, and I'm right there with you. I, I you know, I, I'm not as deep into the Toledo, uh, Toledo uh, lore as you are, but you know, Illinois is always a middle of the road team. They, they've lost their running back. I believe it was Chase Brown was their running back last year. Uh, phenomenal running back, but. It's not like that. Witherspoon went to top five in the draft. I think they just lose too much and they've got right. to replace a lot. Right. And they don't just overturn talent every single year. So I think, I think Toledo can at least cover. Now on to DJ Uyunglele and Oregon State. They travel on the road to play San Jose State, a team that just played last weekend. Oregon State enters this game as a 16 and a half point favorite on the road. What are you thinking about this game, Will? I, I like DJU as a person. He was very off and on. I mean, th- you look at the Wake Forest game of 2022. You look at the Notre Dame game of 2021 or 2020. I, I can't remember which one it was, but he was phenomenal in, the, in, in, in a few games. But God was his bad, bad. And if he comes out slow against against San Jose State, who played pretty good defense last week, I mean, I, I'm gonna give them their flowers. I don't think I think I'm taking Saint has a plus sixteen and a half. I I wouldn't. That's a lot of points, Jake. That's a lot of points. It is a lot of points. 
I think Oregon but, State wins, but I, I think San Jose State covers. You know, I, I'm on the Oregon State bandwagon. I think they're coming out with something to prove this year because of the Pac-12 basically crumbling around them and nobody showing interest in them. They're basically being left to die. Oh, And I think the players are hearing that. I think they're seeing that. I think they're seeing what the future is. And I think they're going to come out here and try to make a statement in game one. Uh, yeah, I'm all about the Beavers too. Beaver Nation, I'm right there with you. I, you know, I, I can see exactly where you're going. I think my, my my head just keeps telling me, take it easy on DJU. My heart is telling me to go with Oregon State, but whew, for the points. I'm going point. to take the Beavers. Beaver Nation, stand up. I'm going to take Oregon State in this game, and I don't know if they're going to cover by a lot. 16.5 feels real close. I would feel a lot more comfortable if this game was at like 14. 16 and a half is a lot of points. I think that we saw San Jose State can score and move the ball, but I hey, like the Beavers. Beaver Nation don't give a damn. That's all you got to remember. That is, that is, in fact, factually true. <laughs> Fourth game here. Fourth game here. We got a group of five game. This, to me, is one of the most underrated games of the weekend. It's a Saturday night game. If you have a chance, turn this game on. We've got South Alabama versus Tulane. This might be a battle of who is the best group of five team in the country this year. South Alabama won 10 games last year. This game is on ESPNU. Tulane is a six and a half point favorite with Michael Pratt back. Who are you liking in this game? Uh, it's hard to go against USA. Uh, uh, University of South Alabama, that is. But Tulane just looked beautiful last year, especially beating USC. I'm going to Lane. I'm going to Lane to win, and I'm going to Lane to cover. So I wrote about this in my bold predictions, so I can't not go against my bold predictions. I made five predictions. I have South Alabama to not only cover, but to win this game. Nice. I I think it's Jaguar Nation. I think it's the Jaguars. They return a ridiculous amount of players. They return like 18 starters this year. And they returned Carter Bradley, who is their starting quarterback. He was efficient. He wasn't a game changer, but he was a game manager last year. Uh, through I think it was 28 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, only a little over 3,000 yards. The big thing for them is they returned like the whole defense. I love Michael Pratt. I think Michael Pratt is a great quarterback, but he was incredibly inconsistent last year. You know, he had multiple games where he was right around 50% completion. And I think with a South Alabama defense, you're not going to make those kind of mistakes because they're going to take advantage of it. So I'm going to take the Jaguars to win this game. Yeah, Tajay Spears isn't out there to, to bail him out this year. Exactly. Tajay Spears had over 200 yards against South or against USC. Michael Pratt didn't have his best game against USC. Tajay Spears carried them because of just being an absolute stud. We got some Pac-12 after dark this weekend. We got Coastal Carolina going across the country to play UCLA in this game. And Grayson McCall is back. UCLA just announced that Ethan Garbage is going to be the starter in game one. He used the backup to DTR last year. Coastal Carolina has a new coach, Jamie Chadwell, left for Liberty. Tim Beck, the former NC State offensive coordinator, takes over. I'm going to tell you that I like Coastal Carolina to cover. I don't like them to win, but I think UCLA losing DTR is a major, major thing. Losing a guy with that much experience, you know, he was a four-year starter. Five, I think he played like four or five years. He was there forever. 
and bringing in a guy like Ethan Garbers, who unproven, definitely not as skilled as DTR was. I think Coastal Carolina is going to cover because Grayson McCall has been there 45 years at Coastal Carolina. <laughs> I don't feel as excited about this now because I thought I was going to be a wild card going with Coastal Carolina in this game. Listen, Jake, Coastal Carolina is one of the number one party schools in the nation. These guys are used to staying up late. I know they're playing at 1030 on the West Coast. I love the rationale already. They're not scared. Grayson McCall, they're ready to party. You know, party on the West Coast. I wouldn't be surprised if Coastal Carolina wins this game. I would not be surprised. And you know what? I, I'm going to take Coastal Carolina to cover. I don't have to do this in this, predict, in, in this prediction segment, but I think they're going to win. I think they win. That is bold. Very bold. Very bold. Well, I have to do something extra since you also picked them with me. So this is me taking t- taking the next step. Do you want to make a score prediction? Uh, let's go 24 to 20. Coast 24-20. Low scoring. I like it. I like it. We talked about this game a couple minutes ago. We got Coach Prime going down to TCU. They are a 20-and-a-half-point underdog going down to Fort Worth. Does Coach Prime have what it takes to cover three touchdowns? I I have them covering. I have uh, uh, in my prediction segment earlier this week, our blog, um, I have – TCU winning 42 to 24. So Colorado covers, but TCU, I mean, dog walks them. Um, so I've got Colorado covering. So one of the other bold predictions I had was that Colorado gets blown out. I don't think I can justify saying in bold predictions they get blown out, but only lose by 18 points. Now, <laughs> I think they're going to lose. I think I said they're going to lose by four scores in my post this week. It's so fast. I think that I have to say that TCU is going to cover this because you can't justify four scores being 20 and a half points. Now, I don't know how they're going to cover this. I haven't really thought too much about this. I think it's really going to be the continuity is going to be an issue early. That's great that you've talented players all over the field, but the continuity, like it's a whole new coaching staff. He brought in guys from all over the country was not even many guys that he worked with at Jackson State. You know, he brought in Sean Lewis, the former Kent State coach, to be his offensive coordinator. Coach Prime is really good at being the game manager. He's the CEO. He doesn't do as much of the in-game calls. That's why he brought in a head coach to be his offensive coordinator. I think there's going to be some issues early, and I think TCU at home coming off their national championship appearance is going to, is going to cruise to a victory here. Now, Jake, that's one major flaw in your prediction. You ready to hear this? Yes. What position did Deion Sanders play when he played football? Left bench. He played, he played cornerback, and he was a cover corner. I think I think these buffs are going to be are going to be some cover corners. I hate that joke, and it's a dad joke, and I'm done with you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to Clemson because I'm sure you'd rather talk about that. Uh, I'm not uh, not dealing with cover corner. They used to cover. <laughs> that, was, that was a dumb dad joke. I'm over it already. Oh, man. That was, it was beautiful. Clemson yeah, Duke. Clemson Duke is Monday night. Clemson goes on the road, goes down to Tobacco Road, plays Duke, Riley Leonard. Riley Leonard is getting some hype now. Now that we're getting closer to the season, a lot of people are starting to remember his name. Duke won nine games last year. People don't realize that they won nine games. Mike Elko seems like he's got it moving in the right direction now. Duke played a terrible schedule last year. Reason why they were able to get the nine wins. 
but hosting Clemson on Monday night, there's going to be a lot of eyes on here. You've got Cade Klubnick making, you know, his, I don't want to say his first start because he started the Orange Bowl, but he's going into this game cemented as the starting quarterback for the season. Clemson's a 12 and a half point favorite. Where do you stand? I've got Clemson winning and Clemson covering. Uh, in, in my prediction, I have them winning 42 to 23. Clemson's offense is, they might struggle early, but I think that Duke defense is going to struggle against Clemson's offense. I mean, they, they don't have the recruits. They don't have the talent. And uh, if, if if Clemson is able to get a couple score lead, I think they just ended up putting the throttle down and, and beating them pretty good. And, and they're not playing in Cameron Indoor. So that's, yeah, that's a huge plus for Clemson. But uh, yeah, I got Clemson winning and Clemson covering. Yeah, I like Clemson in this game as well. I like them to cover. And I like them by about 17 and 21 points. I think that this game is going to be potentially close early. I think Riley Leonard is going to, you know, make some plays. I, I could see them being at a seven to ten point difference going into halftime, but I think ultimately Clemson just has too much talent on both sides of the ball. You know, maybe the offensive struggles early, starting to get into what Garrett Riley wants to do. They're not going to open the whole playbook in the first half of game one. But after they make some halftime adjustments, I think that they're going to run away with this game. And I think Clemson's going to win by about three scores. I would say – I'd completely say 20 points. Yeah, and uh, let's, let's not forget, like, Clemson's got one of the best running back tandems in the country with with Will Shipley and Phil Moffa. Kay Klubnick is not going to have to go out there and do it all. Those wide receivers are not going to go out there and do it all. Yes, it's going to be nice for them to be able to uh, keep the defense on their toes and keep them guessing, but it's not all on Kay Klubnick's shoulders. So they hand the ball off to those two studs, it's going to be very helpful, especially when you're playing a team like Duke. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, I, I think Riley Leonard's great. I think he's still going to have a good season. But Clemson is probably one of the best defenses he will face all season. And I think they're going to give him some nightmares. I think they're going to try to confuse him. They're going to bring some creative blitzes. They're going to understand that Riley Leonard's going to make or break this game. We talked about this next game already. North Carolina, South Carolina in Charlotte. For whatever reason, it's played in Charlotte and not on campus. <laughs> North Carolina's a two-and-a-half-point favorite going into this game. You like Spencer Radley or you like Drake May? <sighs> Drake May. So I've got I've got North Carolina winning by six points, but I've got this being a barn burner. I think we could have close to 100 points being scored here, Jake. I think I think I've got a 56 to 50. Um Wow, you you do think this is going take the over in the points if you're take listening to this take the, the over over uh, and South Carolina's got Juice Wells coming back at receiver, they've got Spencer Rattler coming back, they've got Trey Knox who can play and who's a, who is a receiving threat at tight end. He wasn't there last year and he's he's more of a a stereotypical tight end than, than Jaheim Bell was, but you also have Nick Harbor who's going to play, and he's six foot five, two hundred forty pounds, and he's outrunning everybody on that team. It is, it is unbelievable what he's able to do. I mean, people are comparing him to Megatron, which I think is a very, very tall thing to do when he hasn't even played a snap yet. However, if he's got that athletic ability, it, it means something. And it's going to be hard for a team that plays no defense to stop a guy who is that gifted. However, UNC has Drake May. And the difference between Drake May and Spencer Rattler is that Drake May is consistent. Drake May wasn't up and down all year. Drake May wasn't making a thousand boneheaded decisions and, you know, looking like a different quarterback week in and week out. Drake May can play some football. And I think that's the biggest difference in this game. Because I think this game comes down to 
who makes a mistake or who doesn't. And I think with Drake May's experience, with with Drake May's consistency, I think he's the one who who has the steady hand and, and Spencer Rattler folds. It's going Can to I be... tell you one of my pet peeves? Uh-oh. My pet peeve is when people all of a sudden find an athlete and compare him to an all-time great. Oh, like it's my Nick too. Harbour being Megatron. Like They're saying uh, Caleb Williams is a combination of like Mahomes, Josh Allen, and like, you know, you might as well say Tom Brady and you know, Aaron yeah. Rodgers as well. Like, it's just, just lazy. Can we just not? Lazy. They're their own individual person. They're in college. They're not even in the NFL yet. You can't compare somebody to arguably the best quarterbacks of all time. So, yeah, exactly. It's not even that. It's, it's the fact that you're comparing him to a Hall of Famer. Megatron is a Hall of Famer because he is, and he was called Megatron because he was that different from everybody. You can't just play in the triple option and had a thousand yards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, played a triple offensive offense and you had a thousand yards. He had like more wide receiving yards than like the rest of the team combined. Like you cannot compare somebody and justify it to Nick Harbour. It's not fair to compare Nick Harbour to arguably one of the top five greatest receivers in college and NFL history. Right. Absolutely. It's 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 stupid. But yeah, I have UNC as well. I have UNC as well. I I think that Drake May is gonna be a difference maker. Uh, I'm also banking on Tez Walker being allowed to play. I think you just run him out there anyway and say, screw the NCAA. Yeah, put him in a know. different number and call him Wes Talker. You know? You ever see the movie The Replacements? If you, if you okay. start asking how many movies. Keanu Walker, uh, Keanu, Keanu, well, I don't want to say Keanu Walker. Keanu Reeves, great movie. You should go watch it. Fine time. But there's a guy in the movie who went to jail and they bring him back to play as a replacement, but they just give him like, this very bland name like John Smith. And <laughs> But everybody starts to realize like, he's a different person. I think they should just do that. Just give him a black visor, put him in a different name, put him in a different number. It's fine. Just run him out there. It's fine. Nobody yeah, will notice. Should be good to go. Next game. We talked about this one already. It'll be tomorrow night, but when you're listening to this, it'll be tonight, Florida versus Utah. This line has moved two points. Now that cam rising is probably not playing. So Utah is a four and a half point favorite. Where do you stand in this game? So when I wrote my article, I didn't realize that, the center for Florida is out, but I'm going to stick with what I put. I, I've got Florida winning and Florida covering. Well, if they win, they cover. I've got them winning 23 to 13. I've got them winning by 10. I, I think it's, I, and I think there's going to be some garbage time uh, touchdowns. I think it's going to be a really good game because, believe it or not, Cam Rising didn't play defense, and Utah's defense is, is pretty stout. So Florida's going to have a, a really tough time running the ball. And with Graham Mertz at, at quarterback, if he, Maybe he plays better in a more pass-friendly scheme than he was at Wisconsin, but I, I, he hasn't shown me anything that would make me think otherwise. So I, I think Florida wins. I think they cover, but I think Utah is going to be is going to be a very tough test for him still. Yeah, I've got Florida covering. I don't want to go as far to say they're going to win, but I think that Florida is going to cover in this game. I think it's going to be very close. If Cam Rising and uh, Braden Kruth were playing, I think I'd feel a lot different. But with those two probably not playing in this game, I like Florida to cover. I think it's going to be a defensive low-scoring game. And I think you're going to see like a 23-20 game. You know, it's going to be a lot of back and forth. I think whoever turns the ball over more is going to lose. I know it's very cliche to say, but I think one turnover is going to make the difference. Whether it's, you know, two and one, one and zero, I think it's going to be the difference in who wins the game. Heading into the last game, we got the headliner, Sunday night. LSU and Florida State in Orlando. I'm not going to vent. I'm not going to vent. 
but LSU is a two and a half point favorite heading into Sunday night. LSU, Who do you got? LSU wins Florida State covers. I think it's going to be thirty-one to twenty-nine. I think it's going to be a phenomenal game. I got Florida State winning and covering. Uh, I no, I'm going to change my mind. I don't care. I'm going to change my mind on the air. I don't even care. Because I have Jaden Daniels is winning the Heisman. I think that he's going to come out, and I think he's going to have a great game. I don't know who he's going to throw to. Uh, I know Neighbors. I think Malik Neighbors is the wide receiver. He's going to be one of the key players. But don't be surprised when Jaden Daniels goes for like 100 yards rushing and 150 yards passing. I think he's going to throw a wild passing. I think he's going to be mainly with running the ball. And I think LSU is going to win this game. Uh I think if LSU is going to contend for a national title, they have to win this game because their schedule is going to be difficult. You know, they're going to have Alabama. They're not going to be able to lose two games and still make the college football playoff. Maybe they do if in some weird world, but if they're going to play Georgia, I think they're going to have to beat Georgia. Maybe a loss to Alabama or a loss to Ole Miss could be in there. But yeah, let's take LSU to win. Let's take them to win. We're up 35-31 in this game. I, I think it's going to be high scoring. I like what both teams have, but I am so excited to watch this game on Sunday night. Yeah. I already told my wife we're not going anywhere on Sunday because I need to watch this game. <laughs> I got to recover from Saturday and then be ready for Sunday night. Yeah, get your mind right. Well, who's Ohio State? Y'all got Indiana. Why is this not on there? Oh, we're Ohio State needed a quarterback, congrats, and now they're up 30-point favorites against Indiana, a team that I don't even think – Indiana, I think, will be lucky to win three games this year. I was in a massive debate today about that and about who's better, Indiana or West Virginia. Both teams suck. I think West Virginia is better. I think Indiana could be absolutely terrible this year. Indiana might be the worst team in the Big Ten, and that's saying something. Oh, wow. Worse than Northwestern. Worse than Rutgers. Northwestern could be decent. Like they, they, they could be a one or two games in there. Northwestern sneaks out. Rutgers, I think, could be pushing five wins this year. Northwestern and Indiana are going to be head, you know, head and head for who is going to win less games. <laughs> All right, so we got a couple of listener questions here. Uh, Kodiak Bear, I believe one of your friends wants to know: Do you believe Michigan is overrated? So I, I've struggled with this. I started to think they were, but after after you know looking into it, I don't think they are. I mean, someone someone recently said that they have twenty seven guys that they suspect could get drafted on that roster right now. So that means you have backups who are not playing at all could be on a, could be drafted into the NFL. So they have talent. I think the thing that makes makes people think they're overrated are, are two things. Number one, they're zero and two in the in the college football playoff, and number two. J.J. McCarthy is polarizing is a good word. He is a he is a heart rate monitor in terms of what he puts out there. I mean, he is up and down. And uh, but I, he feels like a poor man, Johnny Manziel. Yeah, 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 exactly. If Johnny Manziel couldn't complete passes. Yes, I, I don't think Michigan's overrated. I don't think they're underrated. I think they are rated. I think they're right where they need to be. Um, maybe number no, Maybe number two in the nation is a little rich, but I think they're a college football playoff team. I don't think they're the favorites to win the national championship by any means, but I, I, I think they're right where they need to be. One thing that I think people overlook is their receivers are good, but not great. Like they're 
I mean, they're severely below Ohio State and receivers. You know, they're not even, you know, possibly in the top three. Their guys are tend to be overlooked a little bit, but their offensive line two years in a row won the Joe Moore Award and is serious contender to be a three in a row. Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards have a serious argument for being the best running back tandem in the whole country. Blake Corum could have potentially won the Heisman if he didn't tear his ACL against Illinois because then he would have had more reps against Illinois and then he probably would have played well against Ohio State and then he also would have had a Big Ten championship game. So you're assuming there's probably at least another 200 plus yards at least. Yeah, Stetson Bennett would not have been in New York if that were the case. <laughs> yeah, for real. For real. So I would say they're definitely properly rated. You know, the defense, they've got good guys. You know, they've used the transfer portal to find the right guys rather than the most talented guys. They go and find guys that are in the trenches. I think their secondary is underrated, actually. They don't have, you know, the Jabril Pepper. They don't have the Daxton Hill, but they have Mike Sandstrill. They've got a couple other guys that are really good defenders, maybe not Thorpe style, but they're they're going to be a really good secondary. You're just not going to see much out of it because the Big Ten and where they play, they don't need to have a great secondary except for like two or three games. They're they're going to win a lot of their games in blowouts just because the schedule is pretty easy this year. You know they don't have Wisconsin, they don't have Iowa. You know they have Nebraska, which could be interesting, I guess. But you know they don't have tough Big Ten schedule. They have Penn State, Michigan, and or Penn State and Ohio State. If they win those two games, obviously they'll be in the playoff. Yeah, I think the, I think the Big Ten can definitely uh, cannibalize itself with Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan all being in the same. Uh, division, so it's going to be very. Thank God, divisions are going away next year. Yeah, yeah, but no, I don't think they're ever rated to get to come back to that. And then he also asked, "Are there any diamonds in the rough this season that stick out?" And I'm I'm guessing diamond in the rough means that you know you're looking for teams that are going to be better than we expect. Yes, yeah, that's, that's a uh, that's a great question. I mean, Jake, you want you want to start off with that one? You want to lead off that one? So I thought about this one a little bit. I mean, to me, Kansas State is always a team that gets overlooked. I know they're 16th in the country, but they're the reigning Big 12 champions. You know, they lose Deuce Vaughn, but they bring back Will Howard. Um, I, I think they're going to be arguably one of the best teams in the Big 12 again. I really like what Wisconsin has uh, with Tanner Mordecai. It, they're not going to go full air it out this year, but I like what they have. It seems like they're going to be more a little bit more progressive offense come more into the 21st century rather than just get the biggest offensive lineman and find a running back that can run between some holes. Yeah, I, I'm with you and, and with Braylon Allen at, at running back at uh, Wisconsin and, and now with yeah, Tanner Mordecai and uh, Luke Fickle coming in, changing up that offense. I, I think Wisconsin is going to be a, a huge contender in the big, big 10. I mean, they might dabble with some college football playoff contention. They might be in the top 10, top eight, but um, I think they're, they're definitely one of my diamonds in the rough. And uh, I, I'm also uh, – Okay, I'm going to get roasted for this, but I think Texas might might be better than people think. Um, well, non-Texas fans, you know, all the Texas fans think they're winning it all this year, but I think they'll be up there. I think they're going to have a really good season. I think I think if Quinn Ewers stays stays healthy, they're going to have a good, consistent season. So uh, I think I look for them to be pretty good. Oregon State, we've talked about earlier, and then Ole Miss. Ole Miss would be my my diamond in the rough in the SEC. If they play any better defense, I think they have they have a really good shot of of at least playing uh, season ruiner uh, in the West. And 
maybe even competing in the West. I mean, you have Alabama down. Uh, you have LSU, who, who's obviously a big contender. But outside of that, who's in the West? That maybe Arkansas. Uh, but I think Ole Miss has a really good shot to be in the SEC championship. I mean, Quinshawn Judkins is legitimate. They have three starting quarterbacks in that quarterback room. Uh, I don't know. Lane Kiffin knows how to coach some offense. If they play any defense, I think I think that's that's a team that can very well easily be in the top 10 at the end of the year. This is a weird one, but UConn, I have winning eight games this year. Now, UConn won six last year. They went six and seven with Jim Moore. So I know it sounds weird, but they made a bowl game. They lost to Marshall in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. But the more I've dug into UConn, the more I am sold that they are winning eight games because they're an independent. They don't have a super difficult schedule. They only have one ranked team on their schedule, and it's Tennessee at the end of the year. They do play Duke, but they host Duke. They host NC State tomorrow, tonight, when you're listening to this. And I think NC State covers, or I think UConn covers the 14 and a half that's being given. That is my free bet for you today. Take UConn plus 14 and a half. That's not a diamond in the rough. That's a diamond in the trough. I mean, that's... I'm looking at their schedule. Georgia State, FIU, Utah State, Rice, South Florida, Boston College, James Madison, Sacred Heart, and UMass. Those are nine of their 12 games, and I think they can win eight of them or at least seven and upset either NC State or Duke. Yeah, if you want a group of five team, UMass, I'm, I'm a Minuteman. I've, I've voluntold myself to be a part of that that uh, that army, I'm in. I'm I'm all bought in. I know, Jake, you said just because Tyson Fimachon is there, you know, doesn't mean anything. Yes, yes, it does. I can't pronounce his name. I think it's Fimachon. I think that's how you – Sure. Yeah, let's just let's stick with that. Yeah, I said it pretty confidently, so we'll go with it. And last question we have here is from Bryson Johnson. It says Moose is a Clemson guy, but a former Gamecock guy had a Nike South Carolina shirt. <laughs> Who does he pull for Saturday night? The current rival or the conference foe? So Beans, uh, Beans is what I call this this fellow. I'm not gonna call him a gentleman because he is not that. But um, I'm pulling for South Carolina. I'm predicting UNC to win. I want, you know, South Carolina is the state. It's the home state. I want the state to look good. I can't go against the head. The head is telling me UNC. The heart is telling me South Carolina. I want to see South Carolina do good. I'd love to see South Carolina be undefeated and then just get mollywhopped by us at the end of the year. That's perfect scenario. So I, I'm not one of those rivals that's like, oh, I want to see South Carolina lose every week. I don't mind seeing them win. I'm not butthurt when they lose by any means, but I'm I'm pulling for South Carolina. I'm, I'm tapping in. Well, I'm not tapping in my old roots. I'm not going to be up and down about it. But uh, yeah, that Nike that Nike South Carolina shirt. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure I had the limited edition. The only person to ever have one. So uh, it, it could probably go for a, a bunch of money for a Shane Beamer's uh, super fan. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I, I I like your point about the rivalry because. I think a lot of fans, obviously nobody ever wants to see their rival win, but it's so much more satisfying when you ruin their season compared to when you just kick them while they're down. You know, as an Ohio State fan, you know, the 2006 matchup where it was one versus two lives in a special place in my mind because one versus two, the winner was going to the national championship. A couple of years later, Rich Crowd came in and one year they're three and nine and they won by like 40 points. Like, I can barely remember that game at this point, but I can tell you almost exactly what happened in the 06 game. 
you know, I can remember a couple of years ago when Dwayne Haskins and they were a seven point underdog and Dwayne Haskins goes off for like six touchdowns against Michigan or five touchdowns. Of course, 60 points against Michigan. I can remember those ones, but the ones that the ones that where it's like, yep, they're five and seven and just kick them while they're down. Doesn't do much for me. I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. I will never root for Michigan. I never want them to actually win, but it's more enticing to ruin their season than to just kick them while they suck. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, that has been another episode of the walk on red shirts. Make sure to follow us on all our platforms. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, X, Reds. If X. anybody actually uses X, yeah, X. I'm I'm never gonna call it X, but <laughs> Twitter. Um, make sure to go to visit the walkonredshirts.com. We've got a lot of great content coming out almost every day at this point. You know, Will, myself, we've got all the writers doing different sports betting, predictions, recaps. You know, make sure to visit it because every week and every day we've got new material coming out. Uh, we'll have more stuff coming out before the weekend. Make sure to go and check out all of our latest material, a lot of the latest content. Will will be joining me in most weeks moving forward, and we'll be making sure to give you our picks and probably be wrong most of the time. I can't wait to see how poorly we do this weekend. <laughs> Come on, Jake. It's week one. We have to be. We have to be confident. We let the season beat us down. Don't beat ourselves down before it happens. There we go. There we go. Well, Will. Thanks again for joining me. It's been a great episode, and I hope everybody gets to enjoy week one.